Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with the first episode of a new short series, Fly Lines Essential with Mac Brown. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Marvin? As always, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, and uh, this is something we've talked about doing for a while, and we're going to do a multi-part series, kind of similar to what Jason and I did on Nymphing Essentials, but we're going to cover fly lines and uh, kind of a similar format, and we were just going to start off with really just fly line basics. You want to kick us off? Sure, sure. I'll kick us off, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about you know fly lines, and they make a big difference for what we're trying to do on the water for sure. Depending on what we're what kind of fly we're casting, what kind of fish we're pursuing, you know, what depth of fish is. I mean, what tropics or cold weather. I mean, all those things become part of it, and so so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I guess the you know they come in a lot of different shapes and configurations and kind of to keep it real simple for tonight to, to start off would just be to talk about the the different weights of line that, that people will use, you know? So, so talking about that being, being the mass side of it, like and we, we need to really kind of dial that in. So, and then we also kind of think we need to talk a little bit about projectile motion because most of the, most of the poles people use instead of, a, <laughs> instead of a fly rod, I've been used to throwing just a chunk of weight at the end of it, well, whether that's a spoon or a whatever that's on the end of it. And, of course, that's not how fly lines work when we're talking about flies and dry flies. We're talking about the, the line itself is the the mass that's carrying that fly out and delivering. So, yeah, I think that'd be good. Yeah, and so I guess what I would say is, you know, if we start and we talk about, well, like, line weights, and I know they're, you know, kind of a Hatfield and McCoy thing because it's kind of almost an irrelevant standard now, but, you know, the old way it was done was basically line weights were a certain uh, amount of mass and a certain amount of the front of a fly line. You want to kind of recap that for folks? Sure. It's the first 30 feet, and, of course, I've never found out the answer to this, but i got a feeling I know the answer, but. But anyway, why would it be 30 feet? Because a lot of the – Myron Gregor's the one that did most of the stuff for the early AFMA standards, who was a tournament caster out of San Francisco. Of course, Myron's dead now, so I didn't get to ask him this. But but I think a lot of it has to do with why is a, why is a mile 5,280 feet, an arbitrary number, because the average Roman soldier was five feet tall. So the rule of six, which is Snell's window – I know this is not about Snell's window, but here's my theory about 30 feet. The average Roman soldier, feet tall, cast into a fish 30 feet away, needs to stay below six feet, which means the rod can't be vertical. So I believe that that's where a lot of this 30 feet came from. And I also believe it's because most casters that take this up, 30 feet is a reasonable goal for, for you know, most people are going to be winner at 30 feet. Yeah, because it's 30 feet plus, you know, eight to 10 feet a liter, right? That's right. No, with the fly line. So the, what that boils down to is that first 30 feet, like a two weight. Like I, I love throwing two weights and three weights a lot. That means the two weight's going to be 80 grains of weight. Grains being just like if you're familiar with reloading bullets, gunpowder, grain. Grains is a standard of measurement that we use. 100 grains for a three weight, et cetera. A five weight be 140. You can look them up on the internet on Google if you want. But I know them all. I mean, standard was supposed to be. Now they've gone back in and kind of redone this, which makes it a lot more confusing. But the standard's supposed to be these numbers. So then they say plus or minus 20% for 
15%, and they get moving all around, well, then it's not really a three-weight, is it? If you're going to subtract 20%, you're back at a two-weight. So it, it, it kind of... Uh, Kind of confusing. Yeah, but <laughs> what? Days. Yeah, but you know, it's an interesting base uh, basis of reference. And so, what I'll try to do is I'll try to find an image or a link to uh, kind of one of the standard tables uh, for right. you know how to measure line weights, and that's kind of the jumping off plate place. And when we start, we get deeper into the series, we can talk a little bit more about what that really means and you know how it relates to the way rods work. But then you know, as you also touched on, you know, the big difference in general in fly fishing is you know, you're throwing a fly that's very air resistant and very light as opposed to, like you said earlier, throwing a spoon or a plug or a jig. That's right. Like say a dry fly has actually air resistance, not weight, but more air resistance, which is like saying a flag flopping around on a flagpole. So when we take a dry fly, say like a a hair wing wolf style fly, say it's a royal wolf. I mean, cause that's a fantastic fly. If you fish down in Oceania, like New Zealand, Tasmania, that's one of the better patterns you could throw down there on a the vacation. So that offers a lot of air, air drag because the way the, you know, the calf tail wings stick up, they catch a lot of air, air resistance, you know. So imagine trying to throw that on a spinning rod. That's not going to go anywhere. Just, you got air resistance and you got very low weight overall of the fly itself. So, so um, yeah, I mean, I think even flies, I mean, when I, back when I got into this years ago as a kid, I mean, I was – I was fascinated even about the, you know, because it really does. Everything we put on a leader or modify with fly line, the whole system has to be taken into account. So you think about the difference of the aerodynamics of, say, a parachute, which is one tiny post, and it's like a Frisbee where the hackles wound above the body. You know, how much more air resistance in flight? What about an El It's very air resistant. I mean, it offers less air resistance. So all these things come into play. You know what I mean? How are you going to turn it over? How much slack it's going to have? That's all part of the system. Yeah, but at a really basic level, you got the way you solve that problem as opposed as as opposed to say conventional tackle, where you really are using a really skinny line uh, to basically make sure you can bring the lure back. You're actually in fly fishing. You know the general rule is the fly line has the mass, and that's how you're solving that air resistant light fly problem. That's right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And so one of the things, we don't want to go far, far, like off the deep end, we're talking about mass, but I mean, we've got to talk about, you know, F equals MA. That was Newton's first first rule, and I think that that really helps people. I mean, at first people go, I don't want to remember that. But it really helps you because it's, it's just so simple. What if we build Marvin a – what if I build you a, a leader with chameleon, which is really stiff, stiff material, stiff mono, if mass got, you know, that much reduced, what would have to change? Well, you'd have to use a greater acceleration. It's that simple. It's not like it's a complicated rocket science formula. It's like common sense 101 kind of formula. So then what's the difference of, say, a 12-weight line at 380 to gra- 380 grains compared to, say, a 3-weight at 100 grains? It's almost four times as heavy. Does that make sense? So what would go down if we're throwing a 12 weight to throw that little parachute atoms? You wouldn't have to have much acceleration for the same 30 feet, would you? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it works. So that kind of gives us a baseline of understanding how do these lines with this different mass, how does it help us, you know, throw, say, a clouser? You know, what are we going to need different for that? Um, just all, it's all interrelated. 
Yeah. And that kind of gets you to the acceleration part. And you and I have touched on it and we're trying to kind of keep this kind of, kind of simple, but you know, if you say F equals MA, you know, the reason you get that acceleration in the fly loop is, as a general rule, um, you are decreasing the mass because the loop is getting smaller as it unrolls. Right. And so, that's right. so it accelerates because, you know, the friction and all these other things in the air are not dissipating the energy as fast as the, as the mass is changing. And so what happens is the acceleration has to go up for the equation to work, right? That's right. Yeah, as far as how the loop unrolls, so to keep it really simple, it'd be saying, if we break the loop down, just picture a candy cane at Christmas time, say the little short part of the candy cane is where the fly is. So there's a rod leg, we call one side the rod leg of the loop, whether it's horizontal, vertical, I don't care where the loop is, it's still a loop. There's a rod leg that's attached to the tip of the fly rod. And as that gets longer, the fly leg has to get shorter. The fly leg is the part where the fly is attached to, to the center of that candy cane. And as that fly leg gets shorter, it has to be speeding up. So it's accelerating. And that's the big difference in understanding loops. And that's one of the biggest differences in all the years, you know, guiding and teaching clinics and casting schools is people don't really appreciate the fact that that fly is accelerating. You can tell it to them, but it doesn't sink in because every time they think they're going to go 50 feet instead of 30, you'll see them using all this excess motion, excess wasted energy. They don't believe it's going to work. So they think they got to put a lot into it. So the concept of acceleration has not been grasped until they do it with very little effort. So usually in casting, less is more for that reason. Less is more. You don't have to try harder and really throw it hard. It's not about that. You just put it in, put it into motion with a simple, you know, simple step of start and stops, you know, the timing with the right timing and the loop will do the rest of it. Cause it's kind of like a magic trick, the way the loop unrolls. And no, I think that'll be good to talk about, you know, a little bit with projectile motion. And I think the reason that's tough for people to grasp is most things in sport are all projectile motion from, you know, guns, bow and arrows, golf, baseball, all the sports little boys are indoctrinated with, and especially boys, because they seem to struggle the most with the concept of acceleration over women, is um, everything in their world has been told, if you do this harder, you get a bigger result. And so you can't really blame them. They've done a lot of sports. But I think the projectile motion sports affect men much more, much greater than women. If you tell a woman it accelerates, she, she usually gets it pretty quick. You tell a guy that, and he's still throwing his shoulder out a half hour later. So I think it's just the way they're wired, you know? Yeah. So it's a really kind of basic framework, and we're going to kind of build on that, you know, as we kind of go along. And the next segment we're going to talk about, we're going to take a deep dive into uh, cores and coatings on fly lines. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, we have a very, very similar format to the series we did with Jason Randall. And so we love questions. And so, uh, first of all, we want to give a shout out to our friends at Scientific Anglers because they've generously donated some lines for us to, uh, to, promote the, uh, to promote the series. And what we're going to do is, you know, we love questions. If you can email them to us, uh, you can DM us on social media. And we're going to collect all of them. At the end of the series, we're going to have a Q&A session. And there are going to be two drawings. One drawing for everyone that submits a question. We're going to a drawing for a signed copy of Mac's book, Casting Angles. And then for the questions that we pull out for the Q&A episode, you're going to enter in a separate drawing, and you're going to get to pick uh, some essay lines uh, of your own choosing 
which will be cool. So depending on where you are and what you like to fish for, you'll have a chance to pick up a few lines uh, from SA uh, to make your time on the water a little bit more fun. And um, what do you think about that, Mac Brown? Well, I think it's great. And thanks to our friends up there at SA with Brad and, and Joe and Eric and all of them for, you know, I think it's this will be a fun this will be a fun little series to do because I think there's so much of it that, um, you know, we probably should say before we go that, that you know, 90% of people still fish a floating line 40 years into their career as a fly angler, which tells you they never really appreciated, you know, the glass, the sweeps, all the stuff that we're going to be talking about coming up. So I think that that, that, that right there says it all. If they're still fishing a floating line, that many years, they're not really appreciating the fact of what all these different lines and makeups for tropical and cold weather coatings and ridge lines versus smooth lines and all that. They're they're missing out on a lot of really neat things. Yeah. And we're going to help you figure that out so that you can be more productive on the water, but also that you can be a more informed consumer because there are a whole lot more choices today than there were 20 or 30 years ago for sure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The choices are much, much greater. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, so folks, you know, stay tuned. We're going to bring these to you every two weeks uh, or so. And, um, you know, watch uh, Instagram and other social media channels for, you know, the topic. And be sure to send your questions in. And I know it's hot, so leave the trout alone and go fish for some panfish or something in the salt. And uh, you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Mag. Tight lines, Marvin. <laughs>